All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Doug. Like Josh said, it's great honor to be with you. Uh, very grateful for what I keep hearing is happening up here at North Campus and just what I'm getting to see today, the way you guys are really gelling and growing here as a community of faith. It's awesome. Great privilege to be here. So uh, let's go full disclosure right now. Like how many of you guys have gotten all of your Christmas shopping done? Like it's all nailed perfectly, all done, okay? So we got some work to do. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. How many of you have, haven't even started? Like you haven't even, we got a few hands. We got to be praying for you guys. So uh, but you got a couple, you got about 10 days. You're good. You got it rolling. So, so like Josh said, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. And uh, I've been studying the Bible with some people that are new to the Bible recently. And so coming up in this season, I told them, well, let's just look at what the Bible says about Christmas. And and we started with a couple of passages in the Old Testament. So we looked at Isaiah 9 and Micah 5 and talked about, you know, there's parts of the Bible that are talking about Jesus coming even 700 years before they came. And they were shocked, you know, and so maybe that was new to you this morning too. Then you could get to the Gospels. And so if you read the Gospel of Matthew, you'll learn about Joseph, you'll learn about the wise men, you'll learn, you know, part of the story in that way. And it's great to, le to learn that. You get to the Gospel of Luke, and that's where you hear about Mary and the shepherds and the angels and the angel appearing to Mary and all these things. And then you get to the Gospel of John. And John also tells the Christmas story, but in a very different way. In fact, if all we had was the Gospel of John, I don't know if we'd have nativity scenes. Like, I don't know that we'd have, like, how do you, as I read the passage, I think you'll see, like, how do you picture what John is going to tell us about? But John's description of the coming of Jesus is so powerful for us today. So um, as, uh, I'm going to ask you to just stand, and I'm going to read the text before us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look at uh, what John, this, this rich gospel, has to say about the coming of Christ. So John, you can just follow along in your Bibles. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So before I pray, would you say a prayer just quietly where you are and ask that God would teach you something from these words this morning, that God would speak to you in a fresh way this morning. And then I'd appreciate it if you would pray for me, that I would be clear, that I would be bold, that I'd be accurate in teaching God's word this morning. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that these words are directly from you. I pray that we would listen, and that we'd put to practice what you teach us today. In your great name we pray, amen. Thank you guys, grab a seat. So, yeah, again, John's version of the Christmas story, obviously very different here. And what we know from what John has written later in this gospel is that he had an agenda. He had a purpose for why he wrote what he did. And he wrote so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that we would have life in his name. 
And so as we were just reading even those eight verses, I think you're starting to see from the very beginning of this book, it's called the prologue, the first 18 verses, is that that's John's agenda, that we understand that Jesus is God, that we can have life in his name. And so there's another theme that is introduced that you're going to see throughout the gospel, and it's the theme of light and darkness. And if you were to do a study of the different um, stories of the birth of Christ, you would see that in other passages too. For example, one of the prophecies that was given 700 years before Christ came is Isaiah 9 2, where it says that a people living in darkness have seen a great light. And so even in this context, in this passage, John is raising that issue of dark and light. And that in this case, Jesus is coming. That he said in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus is one who is coming. The birth of Jesus is significant because God is going to shine light in the darkness, and he's going to do it in a way that cannot be stopped. It's an unstoppable light that's going to penetrate and break through the darkness. And that's a, that's a good thing because there's nothing fun about living in the dark, right? So I wonder if we could have a montage of some of the videos of us and what we try to do when it's dark, right? So maybe uh, you get up earlier than your spouse if, uh, or maybe a roommate, and you have to kind of fumble around the room. You're trying to be quiet without flipping the lights on. I wonder if just a montage of us kind of doing that would be kind of funny to watch this morning, right? So that's us living in darkness. And, uh, but what, what isn't funny about darkness is you look throughout the Bible, uh, there's a lot of heavy and very, very sad, very, very somber themes that emerge from that concept of darkness. It is definitely not a good thing to live in the darkness. Darkness is used to refer to people who rebel against God and says that that wickedness is, is darkness, or that darkness is used to refer uh, to God's judgment. If you remember when God judged the nation of Egypt, that there was a three-day plague of darkness. Can you imagine just utter darkness for three days? So it's a, it's a term of judgment. It's also a term of affliction or trouble or despair. So bottom line, if you are living in a dark place, you are living in a bad spot. Uh, darkness is a place of fear, of shame, and despair. And so it's interesting as we're reading John, it's not like this morning we're going like, well, I wish I could understand what he means by that. Like, we understand darkness, unfortunately. We live in a world that is very dark. And Josh prayed earlier about some of those things, but you think about lies, you think about corruption, you think about betrayal, you think about loneliness, you think about maybe as I'm reading through these, maybe these are some things that you are battling or people really close to you are battling or things that you see in the world around us, things like injustice, poverty, cancer, discouragement, human trafficking, terrorism. We're just so aware of this concept that there are definitely some very dark places in this world. And then even, it's not just out there, but we can look in our own hearts. And we can, either currently or in our past, just clear places of darkness, of uh, fear, of worry, of anxiety, of pain. You know, it's been interesting as a nation, uh, the studies that are coming out about life expectancy in our country. Like, it was almost a given that, yeah, we're just getting, we're able to live longer in our country because of health advances and technological advances and all these things. But in the last three years, there's been a downward trend in our country in life expectancy. And, and particularly, uh, it's hitting all races, it's hitting all demographics. But the one that's getting everybody's attention is the 25 to 64-year-old bracket, how 
things like opioid abuse, how um, suicides and other uh, illnesses and, and detriments related to anxiety uh, are just taking a toll on the lifespan in our country. It's very clear there isn't just darkness around us, but there's a lot of darkness in us as a people. And so what's especially hopeful for us here is that Jesus came, like that's what we celebrate, is that he came as a light into darkness, a light that cannot be stopped. And so even when Jesus came originally to his own people, he came to a people who were in darkness. They were under oppression of the Roman government at that time. They were uh, led by religious leaders that were looking out for their own agendas, who were not pointing them to hope in God. So not just now, but even in the first time he came, Jesus came to bring light into a dark place. And so uh, that is our hope. And like Josh said earlier, that's what brings joy, is that when we see the light of Jesus shining in dark places out there and in here. That's the hope of the Christian message. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, listen to this promise, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus came to give light to people living in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome what he is coming to bring. So and you can ask, okay, well, how do we know? Like, how do we know that Jesus versus darkness is really going to be a slam dunk? And it is. And the reason we know that is we jump back to the first four verses of John 1. Guys, these are some of the most majestic verses about who Jesus really is. Okay, so just let me read them again. They're so rich. That in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. First of all, you might say, wait a minute, I don't see Jesus in here. You're just saying the word, the word, the word. What is this all about? So uh, it's interesting. The, you're going to see this description of Jesus, and you're going to see Jesus being called the word just here in this introduction to the Gospel of John. The first 18 verses appears like four times. You go, okay, well, how do you know that's Jesus? Okay, so I think what John was doing in his introduction, just like a good author does or a good movie, is you start with something that grabs everybody's attention. And John's audience of that day came from basically two groups. Some of them would have been Jewish followers of Jesus so, or followers of God and so really aware of the Old Testament. And so when he starts talking about the Word of God, people from that background are thinking about, wow, the Word of God? That's like when God spoke in Genesis and everything came to be. That's powerful. You think of the word of God, you think of the wisdom of God. Like when the Psalm says, your word is a light to my feet and a lamp unto my path. Like, wow, that'll show me direction. So there was such an awe of the word of God if you were from that background. But John was also speaking to an audience where people didn't know the Old Testament. They were maybe more from a Greek background. And it's interesting, this, the Greek word here is logos. And the logos for people from a Greek background was was so, there, there was an awe for the word from a Greek background, too, in that the Logos was this impersonal but very powerful force of, again, described as wisdom, as power, as creative energy. Again, it wasn't, they wouldn't call it God, it wouldn't call it, but more of like an impersonal, again, an impersonal force that was out there. And so if you start talking about the word, uh, they're tracking with you here, like, okay, yeah, on both sides of this conversation, they're going, yeah, the word, of, the word is a really powerful concept. But what totally blew both sides away, and we're not going to get there today. Josh will get there in two sermons from today. It's hard to stop this message in verse 8. But the cool, the, kind of like the punchline of this whole section is verse 14, where John says this, the word became flesh and lived among us. 
Like, both sides would be just staggered, like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like, became a person? Like, this Word of God became a person? And that's John's whole point here is that, yes, Jesus, the Word became flesh, and He lived among us, and we have seen His glory. John was one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, John was the guy that Jesus was probably closest to on the planet. He called John, when he's writing the gospel, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Like, he couldn't just say, Jesus loved me best. But there, there was a sense where Jesus and John were the closest. And so uh, he's, he's describing to us that, you know, this concept of the word and all the awe and the power, creative power of God came and is now in flesh. Okay, this is the one that's going to defeat darkness. And so uh, this is Jesus that he's talking about. So you go back to verse 1, and guys, there's some rich truth here about Jesus. This is one of... A good five, six passages that you could go to and just, who is Jesus? And it just lays it out for you. Let's, let's kind of do it together. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 4 says, in the beginning was the Word. The statement it's making there about Jesus is that he didn't begin to exist in a manger when Mary had a baby. Jesus has existed from eternity past. In the beginning, again, the Jewish audience would go, hey, that's how Genesis started. Exactly. You know, back then, Jesus was there. Okay, so in the beginning, he's eternal. He existed in eternity past. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Clear statement, and you're going to see this throughout the Gospel of John. Again, he wrote it so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so right out of the beginning, that Jesus is God, he's equal to God, is very clear. This, is, this Word is going to come and demolish darkness. He's, he is fully God. And then he makes this statement, in case you were still wondering, okay, what do you mean that he's God? And the next statement was, through him all things were made. Again, back to Genesis 1, it was God who spoke and all things came into being. What John's telling us is like, you know what, that was, that was Jesus. He's involved in creation. It was Jesus that was there. All things uh, were made by him. And this is echoed, if you want to write down a couple other of those passages I talked about. For example, Colossians 1 verses 15 to 20 does the same thing. It just magnifies who Jesus really is. And in that passage, it said that Jesus created all things, and they were, all things are made by him and for him, all right? You can write down Hebrews, the first three verses of the book of Hebrews, again, just lifts up Jesus as being fully God. So through him, all things were made. And it says this about him, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So now we get back to this light thing is that John wanted us to know that Jesus is God. The other thing he wants us to know is that you can have life in his name. And what John says right here is that this word, this Jesus, is the one who is going to bring light and life to everyone. Like he is the savior of the world. He is the one that every person on this planet needs to defeat the darkness in them and around them. And so that is why, that is why uh, in verse 5 it can say that darkness will not overcome him. This isn't just some guy who's showing up. Like, this is God in the flesh. Like, the power of the creator God is now in flesh, and he is the one that is going to defeat darkness, and darkness cannot even touch him. This is going to be a stomp. Uh, I was reading this week, an author said this. Like, if you want a just practical reminder of this every day, of the power of the light of Jesus over darkness, is like every time you step into a room and it's dark, and you flip a switch on, and that room is lit up, right? There's not like, it doesn't happen gradually. It's not like this, well, unless I don't know how your lighting is in your house, but if your house is lit well, like you flip a switch, and that whole room is just boom, instant. 
like speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. Like the instantly, it's not like you don't see it in slow-mo, like a wave slowly goes across your room and then gradually everything is lit. Like if everything's working right with your wiring and your electricity, you flip that switch and it's on. What a great picture for us. Every day we wake up or at night you come home and it's dark, you flip that switch. That's the power, that's a picture of the power of Jesus over darkness. Any darkness in you or around you, he's an unstoppable force when it comes to defeating the darkness uh, in us and around us. And, and you could even ask, okay, well, how do, we, how do we know that for sure? How do we know that Jesus... And so you would have to continue to read through the Gospel of John, but you would see the most profound thing happen to Jesus where we're talking about darkness being sin and death and all the hard things in this earth. The way Jesus defeated darkness is, is a way we wouldn't have drawn up, but it's the way that it happened and the way he lived out. Is that when you follow the life of Christ... And you get to the part where Jesus um, died on the cross, gives us his light, his life. But you look at just that good Friday when Jesus was dying on the cross, it looks bad. It looks like the darkness did overcome him. Until you go a couple days later and you see the resurrection of Jesus, he completely slam-dunked, defeated once and for all darkness when he overcame sin and death and rose again from the dead. So that is the one now that we trust as our light who will shine his light in our life and around us. He's the one who will bring light to this dark world. Okay, so uh, let me ask you this question this morning then. Uh, is Jesus your light? Is he, is he shining light in your life? Has he shown light in, his, in your life? And let me just kind of wrap this around. We're getting, I get kind of nostalgic towards the end of the year and I love looking back, some, it, probably this is a little early, but that week between Christmas and New Year's, I just love using that strategic time to look back and look forward. And one thing I like to do when I look back is who are some people that I know now that I didn't even know this time last year? Or what are some things, or maybe some relationships that are a lot deeper now than they were this time last year? It's just kind of a way of looking back and seeing what has God been doing in the people around me. Let me just tell you a couple stories. But why weave this in with how God's light can shine into your life? So... There's a guy that's about this time last year uh, that, that started getting to know him, and uh, I'll never forget one conversation we had. Uh, his name is Sean. He's been very public with this story. He's been baptized at Central Campus, but for, for many years, uh, Sean has battled some addictions. He's, along with that then, um, been incarcerated. He's done some things to some other people that he just completely is ashamed of. We had a conversation. Just look at what you're doing right now. Like you're doing everything you can to make sure that your own son uh, or daughter will go to heaven. Like, can I just tell you that way in a greater way than that, your father in heaven has done that for you. He's done everything he can to forgive you to make sure you can go to heaven. And that's, he's willing to forgive everything you have done. And that just completely blew him away to the point of tears and just hadn't thought about it that way. It's like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. And so my question to you this morning is like, is there anything you've been holding back that you just have assumed that there is no way God would forgive me for something like that? There is just no way God would forgive someone like me. The cross points to us completely different. Like, I, I think Jesus' invitation to us this morning is uh, bring, me, bring me your worst. Like whatever you think that is, whatever nobody else knows, let me shine my light on that. Let me offer you forgiveness because of what I've done for you on the cross. Let me set you free from that shame and that guilt from what you have done. Maybe there's something you've been just holding back and just assumed there's no way Jesus could forgive that. Let, that, let his light shine on your sin. 
okay? You can bring him your worst, and he'll take it, all right? So that's, that's that story. Uh, there's another guy I just met Wednesday, and let's, let's have it be this way. Let's let Jesus shine his light on your confusion or your darkness, or maybe if the meaninglessness of your life has been exposed. So Wednesday, I met this guy named Aaron, and a story in progress in some ways. But I don't, know if, I, don't know, I don't know how you guys do cards out here. But about two months ago at Central Campus, we've added a thing on the card that the visitors fill out. This is be sure. Like, would you, would you like to talk to somebody to be sure that you know Jesus or you're, you're going to heaven? So he checked that because he wasn't sure. And so I got to meet with him on Wednesday, and he gave me a snapshot of his life in an email before we met. But basically, for about 30 years, he's realized within the last six months, he was just living for himself like total self-indulgence. And I just admitted that and threw out a bunch of stuff he'd been doing. Uh, but about six months ago, he just kind of had a wake-up call and said, what am I doing with my life? This is really stupid. And he just launched into kind of a self-improvement thing. He's lost a lot of weight, got a new job, did a couple other things, and it's just still not happening. So on his own, like this is an example of God kind of reaching out to somebody, on his own, just started researching Jesus evangelical Christianity, the Bible. And so by the time we got to meet, God had done a tremendous work in this guy's life already. He had some things mixed up. He's from a, a, a Jewish background, so he's bringing some things in there, like I have to make atonement, uh, so I'm already volunteering at the hospital, and I have to, like, and so we cleared some of this up about what Jesus has done, and you're set free, and it just, it just completely blew him away. And so as of this morning, I think there's two Christians he knows on the planet. I'm one, and then out at Central Campus, if you've ever been there, I took him out to get him a Bible at that little resource center. And as I'm talking to him there, I hear this voice from the shadows. Some of you guys know Jim Hefner. Hey, what you doing there, dog? It's like, oh, Jim, uh, this is Aaron. And Jim just had his hip replaced, and he's been walking laps around the church. But I didn't know he was there. And so, hey, Jim, this is Aaron. He just became a Christian. Like, oh, welcome to the family. You know, so so uh, just you can pray for Aaron. He's going... He's been at church a few weeks. He's there again this morning. Just pray that people keep getting to know him. But what was so clarifying for him is once he saw who Jesus was and what he offered him and a life to not live for yourself, but a life is really best invested when you're living for others, once you have Jesus in your life, it's just completely flipped him. He had a talk with his parents Thursday and uh, very nominal uh, Jewish uh, practicers of faith, but yet still kind of a little bit disappointed here, like your grandparents would be rolling in their graves right now. So, but he just wanted to tell them, he said, no, I need Jesus. I made this decision. And I'm, I'm sticking with them. And then the next conversation, I'll tell you about the next conversation a little bit. So let him shine the light on meaninglessness, purposelessness, or if you're just convicted, like I've just been living for myself. What am I doing? Here's the third one. Uh, Thursday, had the chance to, there's a woman I've known and my wife has known for a long time. We knew her when her faith just started. We've seen her uh, influence many people with her faith um, in powerful ways. But about three, four years ago, there was just a major explosion in her life, in her marriage, in her family. It's just absolutely devastating. Maybe one of the saddest things uh, that personally I've seen and walked through with someone. And so I hadn't seen her in a while, and so to talk the other day, she was talking about the first couple years of walking through this darkness and just telling me that she wondered if there would ever be a day where she would just have joy again, where the whole day wouldn't be just filled with fear or what's going to happen to my kids or like just that angst, that pit in your stomach feeling. But she said the last six months, there's been a, a day here or there and then packaged two or three days together and just kind of growing back 
to this place of joy and confidence again, just pointing it back to her faith in Jesus. And I, I don't know what your darkness is this morning. I, don't, I haven't had good talks with everybody here in a long time. But just those three conversations that I've had in this last year, just when I was reading this passage, I couldn't help but to think about each of those. And those are the kind of darknesses that are going to hit all of us. If it's our own sin and shame, uh, if it's just a wake-up call that I'm living for myself, or if really just something out of, from outside of anything you have done just blows up in your life, there's Jesus to give you light in the midst of that darkness and to give you life. And so I ask you this morning, is Jesus your light? And the last part of our passage I want us to see is that I think Jesus has a purpose that he does in the lives of people that see his light, okay? So in our text, uh, it, was, it was John the Baptist, okay? And so uh, let me just read verses 6 and 8 again. It says, there was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. And so I had a friend of mine that had never read the Bible before he started reading John. He's like, okay, which John is this? Like, is there a glossary somewhere in here that just gives me a list of characters in the Bible? Because I'm getting confused. There's John, John, John. So if that's you, that's totally cool. Don't, nobody's laughing at you. It's just like we get that. The Bible can be a confusing book. The guy who wrote this book is named John. He was one of the followers of Jesus, the disciple John. Now, this other John in, in verse 6 is John the Baptist. He's the guy who came, was sent, kind of like a prophet, before Jesus to get people ready for Jesus to come. So this is the one that John the disciple is talking about, John the Baptist, okay? And so he's the one that came to point people to Jesus. And my point is this, and I see this throughout the scripture, that I think there is, I hate to call it a responsibility, but really it, it kind of is a responsibility, that once you have seen and tasted the light of Jesus, just penetrating darkness in you and around you, there, there's kind of a responsibility there to go talk about that, like to go tell people about that. Like, how wrong would that be? Like, for example, to have a cure to one of the, one of the most heinous diseases we have today. Maybe you live in the middle of Africa and you have the cure to Ebola and you don't tell anybody. Like, what is that? So, so if you have seen or tasted the light of Jesus in your life, <laughs> I think the hope there is that you would go and tell people or share that with people. And so that was John's mission, his message. And Jesus called him the greatest man that ever lived on the planet. Or at least he said the greatest person born of a woman. I, I assume that would mean any person. Every person is born of a woman, right? So that, and, and John's motto was this. Jesus must increase. I must decrease. Like his whole mission, his whole calling was to make sure understood that Jesus is the light and that Jesus can bring light into darkness. And so there's no higher calling than that. And so I would say the same is true for us. Jesus told his disciples, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you, all right? So consider yourself, if you have seen the light of Jesus, if you have tasted, experienced the light of Jesus, now go, spread that. Like, make sure other people know about that. And uh, let me encourage you in this. That, I think, if you are really living with Jesus as your light, that will be easier than you think. Like, I think for some people, the most scary thing for a Christian to do, if you ask them, is to share their faith. Like, you can immediately think about, okay, I'm going to get laughed at. I'm going to, you know, you're going to ask me a hard question. I won't know what to say. Let me just put it this way. If you are really living and following Jesus as your light, just think about what's happening in you because of Jesus. Just think about sin being confronted, exposed, forgiven, 
Think about you being more at peace. Think about you having more joy. And you're doing that around a bunch of people and they're seeing you and watching you live, watching you serve them, watching you listen to them, enter into their struggles. Uh, Jesus is doing some work through you and you haven't even opened your mouth yet, right? So there's a, there's a famous guy, I can't say who it is anymore because he got in trouble, but his, his saying is awesome. He used to say this, that um, if you have what everybody else wants, you won't have to force it on them, they'll steal it from you, okay? So if the life of Jesus is truly working in you, there's gonna be some powerful things in and around you. So, uh, and I would say that if you have tasted and seen the light, then go share it, right? So back to those three stories I told you about, the first guy, Sean, came up to me about three months ago and said, do you think it'd be okay if I got a couple of people around me and we set up a group for people like me who battled the things that I did because I really want them to, to hear what Jesus can do for them like he's done for me. It's like, no, I don't think you should do that. Bad idea. No, I didn't say that. It's like, absolutely, that's a great idea. Let's get, let's get on with that. Or Aaron, this guy I met Wednesday, I mean, the first thing he thought of was, well, I got to tell mom and dad, I'll do that tomorrow. But then on Friday, and he, I forget the guy's name, but I've had this guy who's been my buddy for a long time. I just want to tell him. I want to tell him what I'm doing because I'm super excited about it. And I just, it's so fun to be around somebody that's so fresh and sees like what this is, and, I, and, and again, just there's that. And then finally, the woman I was telling you about, when she's talking about how there's been more and more peace and joy, here's the other thing she's noticed, is that she's finding herself now in conversations with other women who are walking the same path that she's walking. And now what she's seeing there is an opportunity. Like here's a chance for me, in, in, because of my unique path that I've walked, but because I've tasted the light of Jesus and giving me hope in this, I can start pointing people to Jesus, and that's, that's firing me up. And I'm looking for more and more opportunities for that. Guys, that is, that, that's exactly what we're seeing here in verses 6 to 8, that, that once we've seen and tasted the light, I think God is going to send us to be the one. So this is, please do not hear this as like me patting myself on the back. But in the last six to nine months, uh, Lori and I have lived in this city for about 23 years. So we have a lot of touches out there through our kids in school. I've done a lot of coaching. I've, there's just a lot of ways we've gotten to know a lot of people. I'd say in the last six or nine months, there's been a lot of fruit from people just because they knew us back then or because of this or because of this, either starting to come to church now, starting to ask about Jesus now. And can I just, let me just throw this out as simple ways. Oh, you guys are doing this stuff already, so I encourage you. I was just thinking about where did those relationships start? And so one uh, was a neighbor who one day we were mowing the yard together, saw a thunderstorm coming in. It's like, I got mine done, and he's still about half of his to do. It's like, let's just go hammer this together. That's how I met him. It was the first day we did that. Then it was shoveling each other's yards, and then it was, they had a miscarriage, and we had a chance to like just go and really care for them, and um, uh, just almost like lifelong friends now. But that's, it just started simply like that. And again, it's the light of Jesus, like not living for ourselves, but just looking for how we can help and serve. About eight years ago, I threw out my rotator cuff here, and so I had um, some physical therapy. I'm sure I'm one of the worst patients they've ever had there, like trying to get more range of motion. Oh, that hurts. I don't care. Like, let's get this up. So, but one of the physical therapists there was just a really good, she was really good. And then where I work out is where she works as a physical therapist. So I've seen her continually over the years and tell her patients, like, she's great. Like, you got a good one there. And then even as a family, we've run into her at different times. Like, it just blew me away that last Sunday she uh, was at church with her kids. Like, for a long time, we've been just kind of thinking about church, and uh, we just, we just kind of want to go, go here. And just like, that oh, is so cool. Like, I'm praying for, I wish I was 
I'm glad I'm here, but at Central Campus today, like I'm just praying that that next round goes well for her and her husband and her kids. But just, guys, just simple stories of just, uh, just sowing seeds by just living like you've seen the light and, and living a life that is totally different because of what Jesus has done in your life. And so uh, being witnesses and then being ready to share that. And so let me just give you a couple thoughts here uh, about that. So, so live out your life as Jesus is your light. Watch how he's gonna set you up uh, to now be able to talk about who he is. And so it's gotta start with prayer. Like who are you praying for? If it's neighbors or people you work for, work with, work around, like are you praying for them? and looking for ways to serve them. Um, but here's the next one, is uh, again, with the light of Jesus in you, you don't have to live for yourself. What if you're the one that's listening to them? You're the one that is asking them questions about how they're doing, you're remembering things they shared with you, and you go back and, and you share more. So you're learning their story, and then you just keep praying for a chance to insert your story of how Jesus has shined light into an area of darkness in your light. They'll be able to track with darkness and yet if you point, you share your darkness, but point out how Jesus has spoken into that, then you naturally start to bring Jesus into that conversation. And so um, uh, this world understands darkness, so we start there and share ours, but then share how Jesus was light in the midst of that. Now you're starting to talk. Now you're beginning to point them to Jesus. So uh, it's a great time of year, too, you guys. These next couple weeks, it's kind of like, this is kind of the window where it's okay, you know, to start talking about Jesus and Christmas and faith traditions. And so really capitalize even these next couple of weeks. And I just encourage you to just faithfully keep casting seeds like that. But that's a big part of this passage is that once we've seen the light, then God's purpose for us is to send us out and to share that light. So uh, let me pray for us, just kind of wrap up this passage and uh, let me let you go first. Like, what if you were to just talk to Jesus for a little bit this morning? And as I was talking about darkness, is there some darkness in you that you would love to have him shine the light into? Or maybe, as I'm talking about darkness, maybe just that friend or someone in your family, they've just been on your mind. And so maybe that's where you pray right now. But just pray that Jesus would shine his light in his life into some area of darkness that is just right in front of you this morning. Just pray that his light will shine in darkness. Jesus, I thank you for this passage and that it is a Christmas story that takes us off the path maybe we're most familiar with, mangers and angels and Mary and Joseph. Thank you for taking us all the way back to eternity and reminding us that you are fully God, that you are eternal, eternal in the past. You are the creator, that all things are made by you and for you. And so when we see baby in a manger, that's, that is an amazing miracle because that baby in a manger is fully God, son of God, who came humbly to bring light to people living in darkness. And, and Jesus, that's us uh, this morning, every one of us. And so I pray that you would truly be our light, that you would be the one that we go to for forgiveness, uh, to cut us free from shame, guilt. You're the one that gives us direction. You're the one that gives us hope, that we would just cling to you in fresh ways. And then we do want to be a people. We want to be a church that shines that light. We are we're surrounded by a world 
that is living in darkness. And God, we want to be faithful in sharing that light. I pray that happens for us, for our families, and God, for this, this beautiful gathering of your people here at North Campus, that may this church be a light to this city. So we love you. Thank you, Jesus. In your great name we pray. Amen.